Welcome to Grow It Minnesota, the podcast about growing fruit, vegetables, flowers, and anything else in a cold, cold climate. I'm your host, Mary Shear, a home gardener and garden writer based in St. Paul, Minnesota. My book is The Northern Gardener from Apples to Zinnias, a basic guide for northern gardeners with a little history thrown in. The history is from the Minnesota State Horticultural Society. I also edit their magazine, Northern Gardener, and you can find more about that at northerngardener.org or check out my blog, mynortherngarden.com. Now let's get on to today's guest. Okay, today I'm talking with Mark Moeller, who is an arborist with the Davy Tree Company here in Minnesota. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about creating the right kind of landscape to uh, attract birds and other wildlife. So, Mark, let's just start out by telling us a little bit about how you get to be an arborist and what does an arborist do? Yeah, thank you, Mary. Thank you for having me on your show today. Uh, Very nice meeting you. So I am a consulting arborist at the Davy Tree Expert Company. Um, how I started out, I actually went to school for forest ecosystem management and conservation, as well as environmental sciences, policy and management. I actually did not know that I wanted to be a consulting arborist until my senior year when I met my boss, Travis McDonald, at um, Free Climb on campus. And so that's how I got in this position. I started off as a climbing arborist, and then I went into plant health care, so helping improve the health of trees. And then after that, I worked my way up into a consulting arborist position. So I've been with this company for about two years now, and I like it a lot. Okay. So like a climbing arborist, that means you're the guy that's way up in the tree? Oh, yeah. Yep. And so we're way up in the tree. We're pruning trees. We're doing removals on trees. Um, so everything, even shearing bushes and stuff like that. Um, so that's what I do as a climbing arborist, which is really fun. A little mm-hmm. scary, though, but it's fun. It's fun. You get used to it after a while. Yeah, and actually, I always tell people, if you've got a big tree that needs pruning, call the pros right yeah. away. <laughs> yeah, it's surprising how complicated it can be, especially with technical branches that we remove over people's houses or play sets and so forth. So it can be a little a little technical, more technical than you'd think. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the wildlife. So, Because trees are a really important part of the habitat people create if they want to have birds and other wildlife in their yard. Mm-hmm. But kind of what are some of the basic things you need to do in order to attract wildlife? And I know you've done that with some of your clients, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. So attracting wildlife, it can be hard, especially in a city environment. But there are certain things you can do. You can plant a lot of native plants. Um, such as coneflowers. Throughout my own landscape, I plant coneflowers and I leave them throughout the winter months actually for goldfinches. Mm-hmm. They'll eat away at those seeds. Um, so really important to have a natural wildflower garden in your backyard. Um, other important areas, of course, are trees. You want to have nice trees throughout your property. You want to have anything from oaks to oaks are really nice for deer habitat. Um, they're also really good for squirrels, rabbits even, and then some um, turkeys as well. Um, crab apples are another really good species because they maintain their fruit throughout the winter months. Um, so I recommend mixing that into your landscape. But most important, if you have bird feeders on your landscape, um, anything from black sewage feeders or anything like that, um, I recommend planting some arborvitaes so those birds have a place to roost. 
and they can hide from predators such as Cooper's hawks or red tail hawks that often honestly come through a lot of urban environments. Um, so that's why I recommend throughout your property. So a mixture of evergreens um, and then deciduous trees as well. Um, yeah, we have uh, one of my neighbors has a huge arborvitae and mm-hmm. it's like the the I don't know what the bird is. I think it's like a swallow or something. It's like a condo complex. It's okay. so noisy. Yeah. They love that arborvitae. Yeah, it's really nice. For example, my neighbor and it's really nice too cuz I know everyone likes fencing around their property, but there's nothing better than having a natural um hedge throughout your backyard of really big arborvitae. I have clients who have 25 foot tall arborvitaes and there's just birds in them all day long mm-hmm. especially in the winter time you're seeing a lot of black hat chickadees around right now cardinals around um, of course blue jays you'll see um, and the juncos as well um, so really important to have those areas for a good hiding ground for them um, especially like we we're saying from cooper's hawks that will come through the backyard faster than you can see um, and then also having those fruiting trees even early on this season, as we're talking about, Mary, having service berries is really important. That's a nice native tree. They actually call it a service berry because the Native Americans would know they would have to bury someone six feet down once those flowered out. Um, so that's kind of a cool history lesson about service berries. Those are really great. They get those pretty white flowers. You get those nice purple red fruit later on, which birds love to eat. Um, as we're talking about too, Mary, Having red osier dogwood or any type of dogwood, flowering dogwood throughout your backyard is great because you get that nice winter aesthetic of having those red twigs on there. Um, And then in the springtime, you also get nice white, yellowish flowers followed by nice fruit that birds love to eat. They love to be in those trees to hide from predators and roost during the daytime as well. Yeah. Now, how mature do those? Uh, I have both service berry and um, uh, the red twig dogwood on my mm-hmm. property, and they're fairly new planting. So, how mature do they have to be before they provide a really sort of significant amount of assistance for the birds? Um, they can provide fruit right away, actually, as soon as you plant them in that next growing season. Sometimes they'll get fruit, but it does. It depends on the habitat a lot of the time too, the soil quality that you have there. If it's a right growing environment for them, they can do well in partial shade, both of those species. And your um, your service berry will actually get to 20 feet, 25 feet tall, potentially. That'll take a long time. But you're looking at the first couple of years, they'll get good fruit growth on them. Um, same goes for the red osier, red twig, dogwood. Those will provide fruit in the next growing season on a lot of landscapes if we planted those for people. So very, pretty fast overall. It depends on how big of a tree you get, though, too. You can get two-inch ball and burlap, um, so that's a diameter at breast height. And you can get really different versions. You can get a single stem. You can get a multi-stem tree for a service berry. That a lot of people like that multi-stem tree. It's a little bit more, uh, I'd say, majestic. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah like is there a difference in terms of the plant's growth habit? I mean, I have the single-stem kind, but I love, mm-hmm. I mean, I love the look of the multi-stemmed. But in terms of like tree health over time and, you know, and also the, the wildlife benefit, is there much difference in service berries between the single stem and the multi-stemmed? That's a really good question, Mary. It's a lot of its aesthetic. If you want more of that tree look, you want to get that single stem service berry. Whereas if you want more of a shrubbery look, you'll get that multi-stem. And people like those in front of their houses because they kind of are all over the place, which makes it, like I said, a little bit more majestic. Um, so not much of a difference, just what that client or prospect uh, prefers on their landscape. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one question I wanted to ask about, you know, if you're interested in wildlife, 
you know, how many trees should you put on a property? I mean, is there is there a is there a magical number of of you know how much evergreens versus how much deciduous trees you put on a property depending mm-hmm. on the size? Yeah, that's a really good ha- um, question. So it just depends on the size of your property. A lot of times when you're building a new area, they say you want to do about fifty percent forest area and fifty percent green space, so your lawn area or your garden area. Um, so it really depends in the urban environment. You never want to plant a tree more than six feet um, from the other tree. Um, but you have to think about. <laughs> you have to, you have to, I think I may have done that. Yeah, well, you can do that with shrubs, um, okay. which is nice. The shrubbery doesn't get as big; they don't sprawl out as much. Um, so you have to think about the future growth of it. So, right. for example, I have um, a spruce in my front yard, which I picked for wildlife habitat. I like to go in there. Um, hang out during the daytime, and then also the squirrels like the pine cones on there. And then I planted um, a northern red oak, and I plant that about 20, 25 feet away from that one, just to think about the future growth of it. You don't want to jam-pack too many trees on a landscape, because then they won't have enough room to grow. And when they don't have enough room to grow, they get what's called suppressed. Um, So that's kind of more forestry terms. They can't grow upright or they'll start growing sideways because they're trying to photosynthesize towards the sun much more. So that's why I recommend bigger trees, plant them at least 20 feet apart. Shrubs, you can get away with six feet apart. Um, Just depends. Or if you're planting yews, for example, that's really good um, for wildlife habitat as well. You can plant those a little bit closer to make that natural hedge look. And same goes for arborvite even sometimes. Um, You can plant them a little bit closer. Right. And I know a lot of the, you know, some of the plant development companies are coming up with these narrower trees. Does that mm-hmm. make any difference in terms of like the tree health or, you know, the wildlife value if a tree is is genetically set to be smaller than it yep. would normally be? So, yeah, more compact. So, um, yeah, so for like upright arborvitaes and whatnot, um, or you call them pure metal arborvitaes, that's still a habitat for a bird, which is really nice. Um, they're not going to be able to really jump around as much in that tree, though. But it's better than nothing, I always say. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is nice to have that more upright um, growing tree, especially dependent on the landscape. Um, same goes for those more upright oaks that they're um, developing now. Um, but it's great to have a tree on your landscape no matter what. Um, so still the birds will enjoy it. And I would recommend doing that if that's something you can do throughout your property. Right. And it also has other benefits in terms of like shading your house and yeah, yeah, just looks better. Yeah, exactly. I think more trees is better. So that's why I'm the one that has three trees brand new. We planted in my front yard. I'm just getting ready for the future and hopefully those will grow up. Um, But like you said, I mean, you can save a significant amount of money having a shade tree by your house. You just have to make sure that you're doing hazardous prunes on it so you don't have large branches falling on your house. That can cause a lot more damage than you'd think. Um, so it is great to have trees for those benefits as well. Yeah. So what about uh, some of the other things that birds need? I mean, one of the things I've heard a lot is people should try to have a water source in the winter. Yeah. Is that something you do or do you, do you know, how, how Uh, do you go about doing that? To be honest with you, Mary, I do not do that, but that is very important throughout the winter time. I do have a lot of clients who do do that though. Um, you just have to keep it open throughout. Some people have some pumps that they keep them open with. And it's very important because birds are still looking for water. 
throughout the winter time all the time. They'll even eat snow sometimes just to stay hydrated. So that is really important. If you are a bird lover, I would highly recommend having a bird bath that stays open throughout the season. Or even if you have a little marsh area in your backyard, if there's some way you can keep that open throughout the season, I'd recommend doing that as well. Um, Because those birds will come in, they will feed in that area, will drink out of that area. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is really important. Then also just keeping your landscape open for bird feeders, bird houses throughout your landscape. I have three bird um, houses on my own landscape. And every year I have a bird nest in there, which is really nice. Um, Mm -hmm. So I definitely recommend doing that as well. And what about the mix of, you know, some people say, well, for wildlife, you don't really want to feed it because then it gets dependent on people. But is that true with birds? I mean, does that really, or is it okay to have feeders and have natural habitat? Personally, I do think you never want to always feed wildlife, like for geese, for example, you don't want to be feeding them. But on the urban no. landscape, yeah. Not the geese. Not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but on the urban landscape, I would recommend, if you look it up online, they do say provide your birds with more some food throughout the winter months because they are really trying hard to find food and there's not as many insects out or anything like that as well. So personally, I do think that you should have some feeders on your um, property just to help those birds, but also just mixing in, like we we're talking about, those crab apple trees that keep on their fruit would be really important or having some evergreens such as arborvitaes throughout your property to have a place for them to roost and be protected from those cooper hawks would be really important. I mean, the winter months are really important to have food such as sunflower seeds or cracked corn because the juncos, um, black hat chipdees really like those. Sewage feeders are also really important. Blue jays love those. And then nuthatches as well, which are a cool bird. Um, they really like them. Then like we're talking about cone flowers are really important. I know people like to cut those down to allow for rejuvenational prune, um, but keeping those up in the wintertime is really great for those goldfinches because they'll come in and they'll eat away at those seed pods on there. So overall, I do really think that it is important to feed your wildlife and it's cheap entertainment too. Nice. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So let's talk about a few specific trees. So you've mentioned mm-hmm. crab apples a couple of times as a good yeah. option for wildlife. Do you have a particular variety or a type that you recommend or that you think is attractive, you mm-hmm. know, maybe for a smaller landscape as a, and then maybe one for a bigger landscape? I like snow crabs a lot. They're really mm-hmm. attractive because they're also resistant to apple scab. Apple scab is just a fungal leaf disease. It takes over your tree. It doesn't really harm the health of it. It's more so it's aesthetically unpleasing. Your leaves will start falling off in July, the end of July, and then you'll have a bearless tree. Um, so I'd really recommend that snow crab throughout the property um, for a lot of landscapes. Um, they grow up really nice. They get really pretty white flowers early on, and they get nice fruit as well. And, and is, what's the size on a tree like that? They can get up to 25 feet tall, though. Okay. Um, so they can get quite big. Um, that is something that you'd want to grow out in the front yard or something like that, not really towards your house um, mm-hmm. as much. And there's tons of other varieties that you can actually buy from, to be honest with you, Bachman's a really good company to buy your trees from. Um, they have a good tree farm down in Farmington. Right. They have all kinds of varieties that can grow from 15 feet only um, to 25 feet maximum. So. Yeah. A lot of different varieties that you can pick from throughout your properties. Mm-hmm. And what about the, you've mentioned oaks and I know oaks are like for pollinators. They're number one. Yeah. They're so, great. And there's a, what about like the Northern pin oak? 
That's my favorite oak. Yeah, northern pin oaks are really good oaks. Oh, they get those, like we we're talking about, those acorns are really good for wildlife. If you have some turkeys on your property, not, not everyone likes turkeys, but they'll eat away at those. And that's why a lot of people wonder why they have so many turkeys on their properties because it's surrounded by oaks. Um, so you get those acorns. Then deer really like them too. Squirrels will like them too. The only problem with northern pin oak, though, is early in spring, if you have a younger pin oak, squirrels will come in and they'll actually girdle away at the branches. So that's something to keep an eye out on uh, throughout your property. There are deterrents you can use to keep squirrels off them, such as deer off that works really well, um, or unfortunately covering your pin oak for the springtime. Mm -hmm. um, but northern pin oak is a great species. The only problem with that is that they're really prone to gain oak wilt. Um, oh. That's become a really big problem around the north um, hemisphere. So I, it's still a great species. You can protect them from oak wilt. Mm -hmm. Same with white oak is actually really good too, or swamp white oak. Um, those are mm -hmm. less likely to getting oak wilt. Actually, they don't really get oak wilt. Um, so those are some other really good species you can plant throughout your landscape. Right. And don't a number of those hold on to their leaves in the winter as well, which, which is the yeah, oak, yeah, the oak family can. A lot of times it's more so a nutrient deficiency. Um, oh they also can hang on to their leaves for much longer than normal. For example, I planted one, the same one I planted in my front yard three years ago. It kept its leaves for the first two years, and this year it finally dropped them. Um, so just dependent on how well it's adapting to that landscape and if it's a healthy tree, too, is an important part of it. What about some? Of, what are some of the other native species of trees that are useful for, for wildlife purposes? Chokecherry is a great one. I recommend planting that throughout your property, although rabbits do love them. So I'd fence them off in the wintertime because yeah. they will girdle them down uh, to the ground. Another great one, too, is um, elderberry. You'll find elderberry throughout the woods. A lot of people think it's not a great shrub, but it is a great shrub for wildlife habitat. They really do like those. They get those nice white flowers um, and then followed by fruit as well, which birds like a lot. Um, or even, I know some people don't like these, but <laughs> riverbank grape um, or frost grape has multiple names, which makes it a little confusing. That's a great um, vine that wildlife like a lot. They'll eat the grapes on there. Um, and you can put them on your fence in the backyard. But a main one that I did want to talk about, Mary, is hackberry. That's mm -hmm. a native tree. It's planted all over Minnesota. Um, a lot of times on the boulevard, they're planted because they're such a resilient tree. They can withstand pollution really well. They can re withstand road salts very well. Um, so I'd recommend that for a very hardy tree. And they get those nice black fruit later on the year, which you can see on Hackberry. Now they're still keeping uh, the beginning of December, which birds really like. And humans can actually eat those fruits, too. They're not the best, but... Um, <laughs> Lots of sugar with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lots of sugar with that. That's right. Um, then fire cherry, that's one that a lot of people don't hear about. Um, that's really good. Actually, moose love browsing it. So if you're listening to this way up in Minnesota, I would recommend planting some fire cherry as well. But it is a smaller species okay. compared to black cherry, that which can get much, much bigger. But that's also a really good species. The only problem with black cherry is that um, they can get black nod cherry which slowly takes over the health of the tree. But as my professors in college always told me, when in doubt, prune it out. So if you do start seeing that in your black cherry, um, I recommend pruning it out as soon as possible. And what? how would that show up? 
Um, so it actually looks like a black knot on the stems of the tree. Um, pretty obvious. Um, once you see it, um, you'll realize it. And even looking it up, see what it looks like. Um, it can be hard to see way up in the canopy, though. So just keep an eye on your black cherries if you do have any throughout your property and make sure they're not getting that on them. Um, any other shrubs that you think are particularly useful for wildlife? Eastern red cedars are a really good one as well. Um, yeah. Birds really like roosting in those and eating away at um, the fruit that they, that they provide. Um, red mulberry is also a really good one. Oh. Um, they get those that fruit that birds really like to eat at too. Those mulberries can get much bigger though, um, so not as much of a shrub. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd recommend those ones. Choke cherry, once again, elderberry, fire cherry is really good so for shrubbery. Yeah, it sounds like anything with fruit and some cover, something they can yep. eat and some place they can hide. Exactly. But other tree varieties, mountain ash is a really good one for winter um, because they keep their fruit on a little bit longer, making them um, a great habit, well, food source for any birds in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um and then red maple, of course, that's a native tree. Um, they attract a lot of insects, so your birds that eat away at insects, um, they would really like a red maple in the front yard. And they also have samaras on them, so the seed source that squirrels like, birds like, um, so making it all around a great tree for wildlife as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you can just pull up those little seedlings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they start to regenerate all over your yard. There's always pros and cons, I feel like. They're easy to pull <laughs> Um, which makes it a little bit complicated finding the right one for your property. Okay. Well, this has been really helpful. Are there any other tips you wanted to offer to people on making the, uh, a, a, a landscape that's, that's friendly to wildlife and especially birds? Yeah, we've gone over pretty much everything, Mary, but I would just um, voice again, the importance of planting evergreens, any native tree, um, providing wildlife habitat with food and water throughout the winter months. Cause they really do need that energy throughout the daytime. Um, and they'll, a lot of them will eat during night. So I would recommend putting a suet feeder out at least or putting a bird feeder out. And if you have kids, they'll be really entertained by the different species they can observe. Um, and it's just important of providing shelter for them. So yeah. getting those nice arborvitaes, which makes a great natural hedge and you're giving wildlife something as well. Um, so just providing food, water, and natural habitat for them is really important. Even a wildflower garden is something fun you can do with your kids. Um, if you have kids or even by yourself, um, it's really beautiful. So I'd recommend doing that throughout your property. And yeah. you can still have your grass too, if you want that. Yeah. Well, the birds, the, I mean, the, the birds do provide a lot of entertainment. Is I've added a lot of native stuff to my yard and I have an arborvitae and they are in mm-hmm. and out of that thing. Oh, I'm and, sure. It's, it is just a lot of entertainment to watch them enjoying yeah. the backyard that way. Yeah, exactly. And even now, I mean, it's, like I said, it's cheap entertainment. Um, so <laughs> That's all we've got these days. Yeah, yeah, these days, especially during now. Um, so I recommend doing that. Um, and your kids will learn a lot. You'll learn a lot. It's really cool enhancing your property as a wildlife area. And even, to be honest with you, I know some people don't approve this, but having brush piles throughout your backyard um, that's important to allow animals to roost in there too. Um, so if you do have a brush pile, maybe keep it around for a little bit longer and get rid of it in spring um, just to allow for some cover for those birds and bunnies and everything else out in the wild. 
thanks for joining me for this episode of Grow It Minnesota. I learned a lot and I hope you did too. If you have questions or comments or a topic you'd like to see covered, please send an email to growitmn at gmail.com. Otherwise, we'll see you back here in a couple of weeks.